Bible to two passages of Scripture. The first one is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then turn over to, oh, let me just see, go to Romans 12, 2 Corinthians 5 and Romans 12. Now, beyond Memorial Day weekend, today is a, another special day. Does anyone know what today is other than Memorial Day weekend? La-dee-da-da, la-dee-da. Come on, Shannon, you ought to be in, in the loop here. It's Pentecost Sunday. All those who have a little flavor of Pentecost in your system say amen. 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 And so today at the close of this service, and I think it will dovetail right into what I'm going to say today uh, in reference to our series that we're in, in the middle of called Who Are You? Discovering Your, uh, your New Identity in Christ. I think it will dovetail right into that. Today at the close of this service, we're going to come to the altar and pray that God would pour out His Spirit upon us in greater measure than ever before. Let me start over. At the close of this service... When I'm done sharing what I'm going to share, we're going to come to the altar and we're going to pray that God would pour out His Spirit upon us in greater measure than we've ever experienced before. Amen. And when you leave this place, you will go, I am so glad I didn't go to the lake early. You'll say, whoo. And in Jeremy's case, where's Jeremy Mason? Jeremy's probably taking care of offering. He'll, he came back from the beach to be at church today. He'll be, he'll be going, man, I'm so glad I didn't stay at the beach today because I've got the, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my life. So everybody love the Lord say, amen. And then tell your neighbor, in fact, just touch your neighbor on the shoulder and say, give it to him, Jesus. Come on. Give it to him, Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe he will. Amen. Today is a great day, and I'm excited to be here. We're going to con- uh, I think we're going to conclude our little mini-series called Who Are You? Discovering Your True Identity in Christ. Today, uh, this, to me, this is one of the most important questions you and I need to be asking ourselves about our spiritual life. And In fact, many people are asking themselves this, but they're, they're not understanding that their real identity is found in Christ. Someone say, in Christ. When we begin to discover who we are in Christ, everything about our life changes. We don't struggle with the old things the way we used to struggle with the old things. We don't, we don't worry about the things we used to worry, we worry about because we have de- de- determined and discovered and developed our new identity in Christ Jesus. And I've been encouraging uh, us to look at this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and begin to digest it, begin to apply it in your life and begin to even memorize this verse. Let's read it together because this is the key to your ultimate success as a, as a born-again believer. Here it is. Everyone together, read it with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let's read it again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And everybody said amen. Now, just let me ask Ike. Ike, can you take the verse back? Can you back up? Oh, here we go. You want to try it again? Here we go. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is, he is a, 
pretty good. Let's do it again. You can throw it back up there, Ike. Here we go. Let's say it together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, the big key to this verse is that little bitty word, in. Everyone say in. And it means what? When you look at the totality of this word, it means in a fixed position. And that's the key to us moving forward into the destiny of God for our life and being productive for Him. In fact, this phrase in Christ in the King James is 70-something different times and it's inferred in many other different places, this fixed position in Christ. And, and, and that's the reason a lot of people are not really experiencing the new life is because they haven't fixed their life in Him and established their life on the foundations of of Christ in me, the hope of glory. And so we've got to embrace that and, and discover and de- develop our new identity in Christ. Jesus knew the secret uh, uh, when he ministered here on planet earth. And in John 15, I think it's verse 4 or 5, he said this about abiding in Christ. He said, I am the vine, you are the what? He that abides in me, there it is, in Christ, he abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. You see, that's what God is desirous for us to do is bear much fruit, be productive for him. And and we can't be productive for him if we don't know who we are in him. Amen. If we're not abiding in him and and, and affixing our lives upon uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. And so, hey, guess what? You'll never be what God wants you to be. You'll never be able to do what God wants you to do until you understand, you and I understand, who we are in Christ. And everyone said amen. Now, the last couple of Sundays, we talked about some of the things we are, some of the identifiers of, of, of uh, each of us have as new creations in Christ Jesus. The first one was, we are sons of God. All the sons and daughters of God say amen. You see, the Bible says you've been adopted into the family of God by faith. Galatians 3.26 says, but you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are a part of the family of God. And from my understanding of Scripture and the history of the church, uh, when you get adopted into the family, and Paul said we've received not the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father, we get adopted into the family. Did you know when Paul re- wrote that in Romans 8 and other places, in his mind, he, he knew that in in his day that once you were adopted into the family, you could never be disowned in the family? I appreciate that so much. All the adopted sons of God say amen. And when you understand that, who you are in Christ, you're a son of God, it'll change the way you live life. You'll walk into Walmart different. Most of us walk into Walmart like we're just bugged by life. I'm just telling you, life changes when you realize you're a king's kid. Come on, amen. And then we learn not only are we sons of God, but last Sunday we learned we're saints of God. Paul called us all saints. Some of us think saints are those who arrive at some special place because of their religious service to God. Listen to me. The Bible teaches us that when we're born again, we become sons of God. We then become saints of God. And as a As a saint of God, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's who we are. We're not just an old, wore-out sinner saved by grace. Come on now. 
I'm a saint. In fact, Paul told the Corinthian church, uh, and, and let me just say, the Corinthian church had issues. Have you ever been a part of, 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 of something that had issues? The Corinthian church had all kinds of issues. They had doctrinal issues. They had moral issues. They had all kinds of problems. But when Paul wrote them a letter, he said, to those who are called saints, those who are sanctified in Christ, amen, all the saints of God say amen. And when you, lo- when you learn you're a saint and you learn you're a son, it'll change the way you live. And you'll begin to abide in Christ in greater measure. And you'll begin to walk and live the life that God has for you. And you'll begin to be more productive for him, more fruitful for him. You won't be walking around under the condemnation of this world. I'm not, I, hey, the Bible says we don't have the spirit of condemnation. God doesn't condemn us. He embraces us. That's who we are in Christ. All the kings and priests say amen. All those that are more than conquerors say hallelujah. You see, we've got to begin to realize who we are in Christ. Some of us, all we understand is who we used to be and who we we think we are right now. And we've never tapped into what the Bible says about who we are. We've never embraced the, the, the reality of who we are in Christ. We look at Philemon. Let me just throw this in here. I'm going to read re-preach a little bit. I love this verse in Philemon Philemon chapter, uh, well, there's only one chapter. Let's see. It says that the sharing of your faith, verse 6, may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ. He said we'll become productive with the sharing of our faith when we begin to embrace and acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. You see, most people, all they acknowledge is the bad things. Well, I'm this, I'm that. My mama told me this, my daddy told me that. I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. And this is who I am. I'm just toe jam. I'm just belly lid. I'm just the, you know, the scum of the earth. Come on now. According to Jesus, you're a son of God. You're a saint of God. And you've got the good things of God on the inside of you. It's time to acknowledge who we are in Christ. Amen. And that was the introduction. I'm feeling pretty good now. Now, this morning for the next few minutes, I want to build upon who we are in Christ. I want to talk to you today about the fact that the Bible says, as a new creation in Christ Jesus, we are members. All the members say amen. Amen. Members of his what? His body. That's where 1 Corinthians 12 comes in and Romans 12 uh, come in because Paul gives an illustration of us as the body of Christ. Now, listen carefully. Even in Romans chapter 6, Paul talks about, uh, he said, if you're, if you're members of your physical body, uh, he, he said, you've got to yield your members, speaking of the parts of your body as instruments of righteousness unto God. So he uses the word members to describe limbs and parts of our body. And then he builds on this understanding in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. I want you to turn there. In fact, we looked at Romans 12 on Wednesday night when we studied the motivational gifts, uh, the gifts of the Father. Uh, In fact, on Wednesday night, as I dovetail uh, off of this, who are you discovering your uh, true identity in Christ? We're talking about the gifts. We talked about the the motivational gifts. We talked about the ministry gifts and then the the spiritual gifts, which are the manifestation gifts. Well, Romans 12 is the motivational gifts, the gifts of the Father. Look what he says in verse 5. So we, being many... Are one body in Christ. Everyone say one body. So here comes the illustration of who we are. He's telling us, let me tell you who you are in Christ. We being many are one body in Christ. Everyone say in Christ. 
So this is, this is important to understand. And then he goes on, and individually members of one another. What a phrase. What a, what a verse. I've got to read it again. For, for we are many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. And then he says, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Members of one another? What a statement. What a phrase. He's trying to draw a picture for us. He's trying to get us to see what the church is all about. It's like a body. And it functions like a body. And we are each individually members of the body. Amen? Now, so you're catching that. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you're turning there, I just love again what he said there in that verse. We're members of one another. You know, some people say, well, I'm a member at Church on the Rock North. Well, we understand what that means, but Paul, you're a member of one another in the body of Christ. Now, here's the illustration given in greater measure. In fact, he's talking in the first part about the gifts of the Spirit that we studied on Wednesday night, which I encourage all of you, if you miss those, you can go to iTunes and download them. You can go to our website and listen to them and and discover who you are in Christ and the giftings that God. All of us have a motivational gift. God has given to the church ministry gifts and the five-fold ministry. And then the Spirit pours out upon us the, the, the spiritual gifts here in 1 Corinthians 12. And then Paul begins to continue, he continues with his understanding and this description of us as members of his body. This is who we are in Christ. Look at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into what? One body. Everyone say one body. You see, there are different local churches and local churches are God's idea. But when, it, when you then look at all the local churches, we're really all members of the body of Christ. Amen? Both equally important to understand. He says we're baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. It's Pentecost Sunday. Here at the close of this service, we're going to drink of the Spirit of God. And that's the source and the life of the church, the Holy Spirit. In fact, when the church was born, when the body of Christ was born, if you will, the church was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul's referencing there. He goes on to say, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. I love that. And if there were all one member, where would the body be? Can you imagine it's all one big eye? Nope, that's not what we are. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, verse 21, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Everyone say necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members, catch this, should have the same care for one another. Everyone say the same care. Yeah. 
And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I want everyone to say this. Now you are the body of Christ. Say it out loud. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Everyone say, I am the body of Christ and a member individually. That's who we are in Christ. We are a part of God's body. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 says, and you don't need to turn there. Let me just whip over there. Ephesians 1, in reference to the body, it says in verse 22 and 23, And he, that is God, put all things under his feet, that is Jesus, and gave him, that is Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. The church is his body. We are the body of Christ, and we are members. Just like Paul talked about his own body, the members of his body, his limbs, his, all the different parts of his body as members. We are all important, vital members of the family and really the body of Christ. And we are an organism, not an organization. How many of you know in the church there has to be organization? But the body of Christ, come on now, is not an organization. Now, we use the term join the church. But let me tell you, when you really joined the body of Christ, when you were born again, you were born into the body of Christ. Now, if we were just an organization, you would have to join, and you could choose to unjoin. But let me tell you something. When you give your life to Christ, you are born into the family of God, and it is not organizational. It is an organic, life-giving place where God uses us all, joined and knit together, to bring growth and glory to God throughout our lives. And that's who we are. And if we do not embrace who we are as a member of his body, his church, we are missing God's best, not only for our life, but we're robbing the rest of the body. What did he say? You just can't say, I have no need of you. We are an organism. And let me just tell you, I love, sometimes I can preach from the dictionary. Amen. I watch American Idol and old Randy says, well, he could sing the phone book. Let me tell you something. I could preach the dictionary. The dictionary. Here's the organism. What is an organism? It is a form of life composed of mutually interdependent parts that maintain various vital processes. My friend, that's a description of the church. A form of life. I could change that. Uh, The source of all life. The body of Christ composed of mutually interdependent parts, meaning we all understand that we need each other, mutually independent parts that maintain various vital processes. How many of you know what we do around here is vital to uh, to, to the world? What we do in missions, what we do in everything we do with our children, everything it's vital. And it takes the understanding of the organic ministry of the church called the body of Christ to begin to uh, 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 set up residence in our life and realize, hey, this is not an organization. You know, some people shop churches like it's an organization. Well, this, you know, here's what they provide. You know, I'm going to join this church. This is what they provide. No, you've been born into the family. You just need to find where God wants to set you in the church. Amen. 
And how many of you know churches are like, you know, hey, restaurants. There's all kinds of churches. There's all kinds of flavors. And some people like this one. Some people like that one. But understand something. The body of Christ and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, hey, there's all kinds. There's all flavors. But we are all part of his body. Amen. Now, this morning, we need to understand that because of that, we carry within our spiritual life the DNA of the local church. This is who we are. And when we do not embrace this, we are going against God's predetermined created order in our life. And so let's talk about it for a moment. Let me just kind of give you a couple of thoughts about the members of the body of Christ. Number one, as a member... We all have individual identity. Aren't you glad of that? I don't know about you, but I'd get a little bored if everybody looked like me. And everybody talked like me. You see, when you become a part of the family of God, you don't lose your identity. You gain your identity. Some people, uh, if you're concerned about your old BC life, losing that, then you just need to get saved, really, because that BC life is what kept you from your real identity in Christ. But when you give your life to Christ and you plug into the family of God, hey, listen, God has an individuality about you. In fact, that's what Romans 12, 5, we're members individually. Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we are members individually individually we have our 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 uniqueness we have our uh, uh, our personality we're all uniquely different in fact how many of you know there's no one else on planet earth like you you are the only you God will ever make even identical twins are not the same they're uniquely different everybody hold up a finger You're the only one on planet earth who has that design on the tip of your finger called your fingerprint. There's no other creation. There's no other human. There's no other person on planet earth who has your fingerprint. But we all have the DNA of our father. And we have the DNA of his son who is the head of the body. And so we have our individual identity and we were uniquely created. Everyone say we're uniquely created. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Psalms 139 says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. God, you're the only one that, he, he, hey, he threw away the mold when he made you. Amen. So we're uniquely created. We have, as members of the body of Christ, we are uniquely created by God. God created us special. Look and tell somebody, you're special to God. We're not all the same. We're not all automatons that walking around, you know, like, I, what is the Will uh, Smith movie about all the robots? They all look just the same, you know. Uh, th- we're not like that. Aren't you glad? We all have... Uh, We're unique, and God created us special. We're special to God. And so here we are in the body of Christ. We have our individual identity. We are uniquely created by God. And number two, as we're learning on on Wednesday night, we're uniquely gifted by God. We all have gifts. 
Amen? Romans 12 says this about all, of, all the uniqueness of our lives and the uniqueness of our gifts. It says in, in verse 8, he says, ooh, let's see, verse 6, he says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. We're all unique. And we're uniquely gifted. And number three, we're uniquely positioned. He sets us. That's what verse 18, I made emphasis in it, 1 Corinthians 12. He sets us individually into the body as He wills. And I really believe that God created us each uniquely and He gifted us each uniquely and He he uniquely takes us and puts us in a place where only we can fit. And it says God does that. I think it's time we let God begin to set us in the church where he thinks we fit best. Amen? And so, as a member, we have individual identity. But the second thing I want to share with you this morning as a member, we not only have uh, uh, individual identity, but we have, what is this called? Interdependent identity. Everyone say interdependent identity. In other words, we need one another. And our identity, you see, that's why it says, and and he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, the eye can't say I have no need of you. In other words, we need one another. Amen? 1 Corinthians 12, 21, we have to have one another to live. You cannot cut off your little finger and set it on the coffee table and it live. In fact, if you don't take care of your body, if you cut off your little finger and, 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 and stop the bleeding, you will die as well. And that's what Paul's trying to say about this organism, this organic flow of God's life through humanity called the body of Christ is that we have an interdependent identity. You see, we have our individuality, but understand something. All of our individual identity is linked together interdependently. We need one another. And our identity, you see, this little finger by itself will cease to be my little finger. It will die wither and, and, and go back to dust from which it came. My identity is not found in my individualism. It's found when I plug my individuality into the body of Christ and then I begin to discover who I am and what God has created me to be and what he's created for me to do. Are you with me? In fact, our individual identity is at its maximum capacity in the middle of our corporate responsibility. Let me say it again. Our individual identity is at its maximum capacity in the middle of our corporate responsibility. You want to discover who you really are in Christ? Listen carefully. Plug into the body of Christ and, you'll, and begin to function in the body of Christ as God set you in the body. And guess what will happen? You, you begin to realize great productivity in your life and in the church. And you'll move to maximum impact. When we plug into our corporate responsibility. Now, let me give you three words. When I think of interdependent identity from Ephesians, the first one is supply. Everyone say supply. Turn over to Ephesians. I love these verses. In fact, you know I I hang around in Ephesians a lot. Look what the Bible says in verse 16. From whom the whole body. Oh, let me back up. Verse 15 because it talks about the head, which is Christ. 
speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. From whom the whole body, there we are, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So understand something about your interdependent identity. That's where we get the supply. The life supply is found in the interorganic relationship with the body of Christ. You see, if we, if we disconnect ourselves from the body of Christ, the life supply begins to drain out of our life. What, what was the definition of an organism? A form of life composed of mutually interdependent parts that maintain various vital processes. That's the body of Christ. And that's where the supply of life comes. It says, which every part does its share, uh, it brings edification to the body. The word supply. Listen carefully. In this family, within you, there is a supply. Come on, preacher, there's nothing in me. Oh, yes. God has gifted you uniquely. He's fashioned you uniquely. He's shaped you and positioned you uniquely and you have something to offer the body of Christ. And guess what? The body of Christ has something to offer you and if the two do not meet, both of us are in trouble. There's a supply. And then the second word there in that verse is share. You see, it's one thing to have a supply, but it's, the, it's then I got to do my share. One of the biggest trouble spots in nearly every local church is a disproportionate workload. It doesn't say when 20% of the people do their share. It doesn't say when 30% do their share. It's when, when everybody does their share, it causes growth in the body. And one of, my biggest, one of my biggest deals as the pastor is trying to figure out how to motivate people to plug in and begin to, to, to not only receive the supply. You see, most people, oh, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm, gonna, I'm probably preaching to the choir here, but most people, all they want to do is receive. And they go to church and they shop church based on what they receive. Ooh, pastor. I hate to tell you, but that church down the road, whoo, man, I went there and I received. Hallelujah. I just got warm fuzzies all over my. How many of you know, it's not only a receive moment, but it's a supply moment. And it's every part does their share. And it causes growth. And the church begins to grow. And you know what? If we're not doing our share, if we're not supplying, there is a, an area of, of where the church has, is stunted and incapable uh, as far as a church family, as the body of Christ. And then the third word is submit. Oh, no, nobody likes that word submit. How many of you know my big toe has to submit to the rest of my body. And one time I got something in my big toe. What's it called? It's called, what is it? Pardon me? No, no. <laughs> no, what is that? Or your blood, something in your blood? Gout. Has anybody ever had gout in the big toe? 
help me, Jesus, for the rest of my life. I never want that again. I thought something had bit me, and it was going to fall off in a matter of days. It felt like my big toe had the fever. You do not want gout. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't want gout. In fact, especially your big toe does not want gout. Then I got on the internet, I started Googling it, and I realized, I have gout. That's for old people. Old people have gout, not me. Man. And you know what every part of my body was doing? It was submitting to my big toe. Wow. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. Ephesians 5.21 says, in reference to the body of Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Why? Because without one another, we're in trouble. You see, as a member, you have individual identity. But as a member, you have interdependent identity. Your identity is dependent upon the, the body of Christ that we are to be uh, a part of and connected to. That's where the supply is. That's where the share, where you share what God has given you. That's where we submit to one another and we support one another and we help one another. Now, I read this verse to you a few moments ago, and now I'm just going to give you a bunch of verses. I'm going to give you a bunch of statements, but go back to Romans 12, 5. It says we're members of one another. Everyone say one another. Romans 12, 5. We are we're being, we're many, but we're one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Just quickly, I'm going to give you what I found. There's probably more. 21 New Testament one another's. One another. I'm going to say one another. We're members of one another. Here they are. Number one, we are to love one another. Gosh, there's so many verses that say that. I think of the first John. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that knoweth loveth, he, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. As members interdependent on one another, it would behoove us to love one another. Amen? We gotta love one another. You can't just say, Man, I'm just tired of you. you that, that little finger's bugging me, I'm cutting you off. You can't do it. We are to serve one another. As members interdependent and, 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 and reliant upon each other for vital function, we're to serve one another. Galatians 5.13 says, we through love, we serve one another. When the first century church was born, number three, we are to fellowship with one another. In fact, that word fellowship means common ground sharing. Acts 2.42, they continued daily in the apostles' doctrine, the breaking of bread and prayers, and they continued in fellowship with one another and met from house to house and ate their meat with gladness and sincerity of heart. They fellowshiped together under the common banner of the newfound revelation that we are members of the body of Christ. We ought to get to hang out with each other now. Amen. We are to worship with one another. Ephesians 5, 19 and 20 says we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We worship with one another. We are to exhort one another. 
Hebrews 3.13 and Hebrews 10.25 say this, exhort one another daily. My goodness gracious, what the world would change, how this church would change if just this group of people right here, just this group of people right here, look around you, if just this group of people right now would begin to take it upon themselves that today I've got a newfound anointing on my life, I'm going to exhort somebody in the church every day. I'm going to find somebody, I'm going to exhort them and encourage them in the, low, in, in the church. My goodness gracious, how life would change. I'm telling you, you may or may not like Facebook, you may or may not like to text, but I'm telling you, I use it for the ministry. I use it to exhort one another. I use it to bless one another. We need to communicate creatively. OMG. Hey, love somebody. Fellowship with somebody. Uh, exhort somebody. Send them a scripture. Amen. And if you use Facebook or something to, to just bellyache, I just hide you because I don't want to hear it. You don't, you don't know it, but you might be, if you get on there and just whine, I just hide you. I don't defriend you. I just hide you because I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. We're to exhort one another daily. Amen. First Peter 4.10 says we're to minister to one another. He's given us all a gift. He said minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Let me just pause in the middle of this 21 one another's. You might be going, yeah, but preacher, I need somebody to love me. I need someone to exhort me. I need someone to minister to me. You know how it begins to happen? When you start supplying. Because if you give, it will be given unto you. And the supply line will begin to open up. You see, if all you want to do is receive and don't want to give, you know, let me tell you something. It's a two-way street. Are you with me? We are to comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 1.18, comfort one another. Beverly and I spent nine days, eight days, nine days in San Antonio with the Bell family, our dearest friends. In the middle of our sorrow, we comforted one another. And we still do it. My commitment was to continue to do it. I'm going to comfort them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to lift them up. That's who we are. That's what we do. We don't forget. Amen? Number eight, we are to assemble with one another. Acts 2 talks about they met publicly and from house to house. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, forsake not the what? The assembling together. I've met so many people in my life as a pastor who think, well, I don't need the church. I have church at home. Really? No, you don't have church at home. You're just at home. No, preacher, I have church at home. I'm the, I'm the priest of my house and we all have church at home. No, you're just having family time at home. Because that is not the church. Come on now. I was hoping for a little better amen than that. That is not the church. That's just a, you're just a little cell. You're just a little part out there going, I think I can make it all by myself. I think I can, I think I can. And you're dying all the while. Because there's no source or supply. 
Man, let me just tell you, I thank God and my lucky star that my kids were raised in church because they would have been a mess without the church. I promise you that. My son would have no musical skill. Maybe he could play the hand bone, but that's about it. He would have no musical skill. Are you with me? Come on now. It's the church. We, hey, we, we assemble together. We come together. Number nine, we are to pray for one another. James 5, 16 says, confess your faults uh, to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Number 10, we are to esteem one another. Philippians 2, 3, let each esteem others better than himself. I love that one. And number, t- uh, number 11, we are to prefer one another. Romans 12, 10, we in honor, giving preference to one another. I like that. Number 12, we are to receive one another. Another. Romans 15, 7, receive one another as Christ received us. How many of you know Christ really did receive us? He didn't put conditions on his receptivity to us. He, hey, come on in. You're part of the family of God. You're a son of God. You're a saint of God. And just like Paul told the Corinthian church, they're all messed up. You are saints in Christ Jesus. Come on into the family of God. We're to receive one another gladly. Man, when I was growing up, the church I came from didn't understand that very well. And kids with long hair would get saved. And man, when you walked into their church, it was like the plague walked in the door. They didn't understand this. We're to receive one another. Number 13, we're to admonish one another. Romans 15 and Colossians 3 says, admonish one another. Number 14, we are to care for one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, have the same care for one another. The same care for one another. How many of you know the care ought to be equitable? And the care can only be equitable if every, every part does its part. And you know what? Let me just, hey, let me, I got up on my soapbox a little bit. I've had some people come to me in the past and say, well, preacher, nobody did this for me. Well, where were you last month when it was somebody else's time? Come on now. Could I get a better amen? You see, if you sow, you reap. If you don't sow, if you shut off the supply line and then you expect it to come flowing your way in your moment of, hey, come on, excuse me. That's not how the body of Christ works. We have interdependent identity. Everybody, many people want their independence and they want to do what they want to do until they have a time of hurt and need. And then they expect the church to come running in and help heal and hurt and, and we'll do our best. But listen carefully, your greatest blessing will come when you, you pour it out on other people. We care for one another. Number 15, we're to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of God. Number 16, we are to be patient with one another. Ephesians 4, 2 said long-suffering with one another. We are to be, number 17, forgiving of one another. Ephesians 4, 20, 32, forgive one another as Christ also forgave us. Number 18, as I've already shared, we are to be submitted to one another. Number 19, we are to edify one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says edify one another. Verse number 20, we are to provoke one another to love and good works. Hebrews 10.24, provoke one another to love and good works. Number 21, we are to be hospitable to one another. 1 Peter 4.9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling. 
folks today were members in Christ, individually members of one another. That's who we are. And once we discover who we are, it'll help us begin to be what he's called us to be. Amen? We are, as a new creation in Christ, necess- it, hey, listen, it just necessarily involves others. That's the body of Christ. And if you walk in your new identity in Christ, you're going to be a part and a member of the body of Christ in the local church. That's who we are. Amen? I don't know about you, but my hand has never rebelled and said, sorry, I don't need you anymore. I'm glad of that because everyone's small. Oh, Pastor Sam has something that needs to be scratched. And if he can't reach, wait back there. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on now. Let's stand together. Who are you? Who are you? You're a son of God. You're a saint of God. You're a member of the body of Christ. And if you're here today and you know you're not a saint of God and a son of God and a member, you can be. There's no class to get you there. There's no hoops to jump through. All you have to do is have faith. Remember what Paul said to the Galatians, you're sons of God by faith in what Christ Jesus has already done. See, there's nothing to do. He's already done it. You and I just have have to have faith in it. What Christ did for you. What, What did he do for you? Well, he looked down on planet Earth. He realized that sin had taken over the hearts of men. God looked down and he said, sins have separated me from my family, from my children. I'm going to send Jesus to pay the price for the sins of all humanity. Jesus paid a great price who willingly laying his life on the altar. And he paid a great price and he died for us so that we could have new life. All we have to do is believe what he did and embrace him as the Lord and the leader of our life. Invite him into our life, us in him and he in us. And a new identity is born. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When I was a little boy in Red Oak, Texas, my mama loved me enough to lead me to Jesus began to point the way one day on a Sunday morning Reverend James Shinrock from Red Oak Baptist Church gave an altar call and a little boy named Sammy walked down the aisle and gave his life to Christ 
that day, I was born into the family of God. I became a part of the body of Christ. I was adopted as a son. I'm declared a saint. And I'm a member of the family of God and the body of Christ. Let's bow our heads before the Lord.